It's going to be good. Can I ask you to do something right now, whether you're at home or whether you're here? Can we, can we stand up? We're going to read the Word of God this morning. And um, I, think, I think it's very easy to forget that the Word of God is God's Word. I know that sounds a little bit semantics, a little bit silly, but we've got to work at reminding ourselves what things still hold significance and absoluteness in today's societal context. We are in a a cultural paradigm that is trying to undermine anything that is absolute and anything that we would say is truth. But as Christians, we, uh, we would say that this is God's Word. This is truth to us. And although we may not always understand it or know how to apply it, that doesn't undermine its truth. So we're going to read from our series scripture this morning. We've been in this scripture now for four weeks. It's a powerful scripture. It comes out of the letter that Paul the Apostle wrote to the church in Philippi. And it says this in chapter 1, starting at verse 27. I'm reading from uh, my favourite translation, which is the New Living. You can read in whatever translation you like. Um, Maybe it's the Greek, you get the original. Go on the OG style. This is this, verse 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. And then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, wow, how powerful is that in the, in the last 12 months we have been through, right? Whether, whether we only hear about how you're doing uh, or, or whether we may have the chance to have seen you again, to, to hear that you are still living as a citizen of heaven, that the relationship that you have with Jesus, it, it still holds significance in your life, that I will know that you are standing together with one spirit, and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed. I love that. Just our posture speaks. Just our posture speaks. Right? We don't, we don't necessarily need to get it right. Something. We just The posture that we are going to get through this speaks to the spirits that are behind things in our lives. And it says that it is a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God Himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for Him. We are in this struggle together. Now you have seen my struggle in the past, referencing Paul, not necessarily myself, And you know that I'm still in the midst of it. I love this. Paul writing this whole letter from prison. Let's let's just remember the context that he's writing this, right? He's not sitting on a beach sipping mojitos with his feet up in an overwater bungalow. He is in a Roman prison writing this to the people that he loves and believes in 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 a time where he's not able to go and see them. He's not able to see how they're doing. And he's saying, hey, come on. I believe you're still strong. I believe you still love Jesus. But we're going we're gonna to zoom in this morning on, on, a, on a difficult part of this scripture where Paul says, you know, we've actually been given the privilege of suffering for Christ. 
It's going to be difficult to unpack, but we're going to, we're going to go for it this morning. And uh, I think it's imperative that in doing that, we pray together. So can we pray this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you that this is your word and that your spirit is the spirit of revelation. It, it brings your word to life in us. It, 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 your spirit goes out before us as we read. It stirs within us and, and teaches us how to live for you and how to live like you. And so God, this morning I pray for everyone here in our ministry center and everyone watching online that your Holy Spirit would be there stirring and revealing and speaking and moving in their lives in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, Amen. Why don't you put Amen in the chat just before you go full screen. Um, put an Amen in the chat. Engage this morning. That's good. You may be seated right now. Opportunity to uh, sit down in your couch. I want to welcome any visitors we have with us uh, online this morning. Thank you for tuning in. I believe that as we dive into God's Word this morning, you're going to be blessed. I believe you're going to be encouraged. I believe that you're going to be built up. And uh, I believe that you're going to be introduced, if you haven't before, to, to a God who is real and who loves you. And um, that is the greatest thing in the whole world. But can I encourage those of you who are regulars, whether you're here this morning, our little mini, mini congregation, let's be expectant. Right, let's, let's be ready for God to speak to us. Let's be ready for God to challenge us. Right? This is the, every word is good for teaching, approving, shaping. Let's be ready to be shaped by God's word this morning. And remember, you might be watching at home, but you're participating. You're not spectating. You're not just watching on to a service. No, this is your church experience this morning. This is your gathered experience this morning in the house of God. Engage in His Word as we bring it this morning into your lounge room. Why don't you participate? Why don't you uh, open up your phone? You can have the, the message on the TV and have the chat going in the phone and participate. Tell people when God is speaking to you, right? Um, get a notepad out. Get ready to take some notes this morning because I believe God's going to speak to you. We have been in a series lately called The King's Commission, remembering that actually Jesus Christ himself, as he was leaving the earth, spoke to his disciples and said, you are now here on purpose. You have a reason for your existence. There is something that I want you to translate to those around you. I want you to go into all nations and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We live in that commission. We live with that purpose that our lives would be postured and positioned around His kingdom being formed in us and being seen through us. And it changes things, right? We, we've talked about over the last four weeks how it changes things. It changes how we posture even ourselves every day. No matter what actually that day contains, our posture is set by the fact that we're on purpose. The positions we hold in our life are framed. They're defined. They're given context by that purpose. And last week, Pastor Darren brought an incredible word about how even the relationships that we have are undergirded and influenced and, and almost given motive and meaning by that purpose. And this morning, 
I want to I go into that section of Scripture where Paul talks about the privilege of suffering. And I want to I put something out there. And I want to I be careful because pain is painful. Suffering is difficult. Uh, I don't want anyone to hear this morning that we're saying we, we should find pleasure in, in difficulty and, 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 and those sorts of things. But, but I do believe that we can find purpose in pain. I do believe that we can find purpose deep in the valley of trial and suffering. And I believe that it is imperative that when we come to Scripture like this, we don't gloss over the fact that Paul very clearly says that, that there is a privilege in suffering with Christ. And so I'm going to do my best this morning to not trivialize pain, but to give it context and give it meaning and, and to give you encouragement and to lift you up and to build you up in the midst of what may be a real difficult season that you are walking through in your life. So let's go. Let's dig into the Word of God. I'm going to say thank you to Karina. Thank you. Uh, look, if you want to keep going, you can keep going. I, I love background. Keypad, it's the best. So, so look, can I be honest for a second? I, I'm, I'm not yet with the mindset that Paul has. I don't know about you, but when I, when I read this and Paul says it is a privilege to suffer, I, I am not there. I am not there. Like, if I'm being honest, I am still kind of at the point in my life where my goal is avoid pain, right? Like, if I summarize my life, life kind of approach is get good, avoid pain. I don't know about you, if that, if that resonates with you. There is some measure in, in my inner person, my inner psyche that says the less pain I'm experiencing, the, somehow the more success or the better at life I'm actually doing. That, that somehow less pain is a measure or less difficulty is a measure of a good life. And I'm challenged when I come to passages like this because even in the Christian faith, even in church, we have a habit of preaching like things like your best life. And I understand what we're saying uh, in, in relation to what God does in salvation and absolutely, but I can't get past the the second side of that coin, which is that there is pain and there is difficulty. And I've got to ask myself, what has Paul worked out? What has Paul got from God? What revelation has Paul received? What transformation in his thinking about life has Paul gone through that has enabled him to sit in a Roman prison and write, this is a privilege because somehow I'm now more like Jesus. And I feel like the beginning of that revelation, because I, 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 honestly, I am, I'm not at the point where I'm able to sit down and go, whoo, I look forward to difficulty, I'm going to celebrate pain. I am, I'm not there. Paul is, right? Paul says in Philippians 3 that he seeks it out. It's a very weird statement that he makes. In Colossians 1, he says, I am glad when I suffer. Paul is unique. Paul has had 
obviously something I am yet to experience from Jesus in level of revelation. But I know that, that it must have begun somewhere. And when I read the Scriptures, I read not just in Paul, but I read from James and I read from Peter the same thing. I read from them, expect pain. Expect difficulty. Expect persecution. Expect trials. 1 Peter says this, don't be surprised by fiery trials. It shouldn't be a shock. Pain shouldn't be a shock. Pain and suffering and difficulty and life not going the way we planned all the time should not be a shock to us. Peter says, don't be insulted when it happens. James says in 1, James chapter 1, 2 to 5, you know, expect difficulty. In 2 Timothy, Paul writes these very same things to his young protege. Hey, don't be surprised when you, when you, when you go through persecution. Don't be surprised that there's difficulty and pain. And I wonder how often we live life with a foundation of expectation, not, not looking for it, not searching for pain, because somehow that's, that would be a little bit sadistic, right? But, but that we have a healthy expectation so that we aren't so blindsided and sideswiped. And, and because if we are, what it does is it, it, it causes us to somehow think that we must be out of the purpose of God. Because, because if we don't have a foundation that says that at some point in my life living out the purpose of God, I'm going to have difficulty. I'm not searching it out. I'm just aware it's probably going to come at some point. If I don't have that, when it arrives, it knocks me. And I, I start to question whether I'm still in the purpose of God. I start to question whether God loves me. I start to question whether I'm called. Because, because what we do is we ask pain the wrong question. We ask pain the wrong question. We ask difficulty the wrong question. We ask persecution the wrong question because our natural inclination is set as a surprise that it happens. And so when we're surprised by something, we ask, why is it there? And when we ask pain why, we are giving it the power to answer. And all pain can tell us is something different to what Scripture does. You see, if you ask pain for an answer or a reason or a cause, I can tell you right now some of the questions, you're gonna, some, of the, some of the responses you're going to start to hear in your mind are, well, I must, I must not be loved by God. If I'm experiencing this in my life, I must somehow have done something so wrong that I have, I have taken myself out of the blessing. Of God, Because I am facing this persecution, somehow I'm not in the right place. I'm not called by God to do what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm, and the problem with those answers is that they are all contrary to the Word of God. Because the Word of God says that the gifts and call of God are irrevocable, right? That it doesn't matter where you find yourself, you are still called by God. You are still able to fulfill the purpose of God. In fact, if we go to Romans chapter 8, 
we're going to find that Paul speaks directly into this because he is aware that humanity's natural inclination when they are in pain is to ask why. And Paul wants to address right here, right there to the Roman church, that why is the wrong question to ask when we're in these situations. See, Romans 8, 35 says this. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? I love this right here. Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble? Or calamity? Or are persecuted? Or are hungry? Or are destitute? Or in danger? Or threatened with death? Or as the Scriptures say, for your sake we're killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No! Despite all these things, despite pain and hunger and difficulty and sickness, despite overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. So right right now, at the beginning, semi-middle of this message, I need you to know that if you are in pain, physical pain right now, emotional pain, right now, difficulty in some aspect of your life. If you are going through a valley season, as Christians, we love that terminology. It means stuff sucks in your life right now. It's like there's nothing good. Things are difficult right now in your life. Maybe you have lost a loved one or or, or you've lost a job or, or you've been a diagnosis. There is a plethora of ways in which difficulty and pain and trial and suffering enter our lives. But if you are in one of those seasons right now, hear this, it does not mean that God is not with you. It does not mean God does not love you. Don't let the pain have the power of answering why. And understand, understand as difficult as it may be, God might not either. Because God's ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And and I've gone through some seasons in my life, maybe not all the ones you have, but I know one thing. I know that if God was to try to give us the answer of why, we would not understand the infinite facets of His explanation. So if we're not to ask why, if why is the wrong question, then what's the right question to ask in these seasons? What if, what if we didn't ask why? What if we went to God and said, what? What if we went to God and said, and said God, what? What are, what are you forming in me in this? And what are you showing through me through this? 
You see, because why? Why keeps, keeps us stagnant until we have a reason to move on? Because we want to justify before we move on. We want, we want to have justification for the difficulty. Uh, we, want, we want to have a reason as to why it hurts. We want, to, we want to have all those answers before we feel like we can move beyond them. But what about those situations and circumstances? Can we, can we just be real right now? Because not all pain goes away in this life. Some situations don't have an end that we come out of and just go, oh, well, now I know what that was about and I'm on the other side of it and well, that's all good. That was great. God did use all things together for good. Let's remind each other that doesn't say all things are good, right? Paul is so consistent in his explanation of this. Sometimes, sometimes difficulty just keeps going. And if we're waiting for the why, then we don't move. We stay stuck. But having a what, having a what in it, well that, well that can help you move even if the pain doesn't. It can help you move even if the suffering doesn't change. It can help you move forward even if the persecution continues you see, when, when we ask what, we give our pain a purpose instead of asking why it's here. We give our pain a purpose. We have the opportunity to actually speak to the season that we might find ourselves in and say, you know what? God's got something in this. God is big enough that He is able to do something in me and through me during this season. What gives us a purpose beyond just getting through it? You know, we're, we so easily put the purpose of pain in getting through it so we can, we can turn around and talk about the testimony of the difficult season I had. And somehow some of us that are still in a difficult season wonder, what is my testimony? What if this never changes? What if this doesn't go away? I will believe with you every day for deliverance and healing and transformation. But I also know that until we are in the, the, the full expression of the new creation, we still live in the, in the Romans 8 world that is groaning with the birth pains. The, the, we have got to understand that at some point it is not all going away in this life. That is why we have a Saviour in the midst of it to walk through the valley with us. What if the valley goes all the way to the end of your life? It doesn't mean God is not there in it, walking with you through it. Why indicates that it's unexpected. Whoa, why did that happen? I didn't, I didn't see that coming. But what shows that we are ready? And we live our whole life with an understanding that God has a purpose that transcends good, bad, high, low, prosperous, struggling. That's why Paul writes, I have learned to be content in all seasons, seasons of having a lot and seasons of having nothing. I have learned to be content. I have learned because he has understood that there is a, a kingdom purpose that transcends no matter what the external elements of our life will try to tell us about our life. We have decided that we are living to something that is higher and lower and transcends it all, the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 to 18 is powerful. It's powerful scripture. 
that speaks into this. It says this. Before, before I read it, actually, I want to I just, if you are writing notes this morning, I want to I give you two, two really clear things to write down right now. I, wanna, I want you to write down that on one side, put like a, a no smoking sign over like the word why, right? Like we're not going to ask why. We might want to, and in our prayer life, we absolutely might, and that, that is okay. If you're going to ask why to anywhere, ask why to God. Just don't ask your pain why. But then, but then write what. And under what, I want you to write these two statements. What in me and what through me. And under that, I want you to write the kingdom in me and the kingdom seen through me. The kingdom in me, the kingdom seen through me. This is what 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, all the way through to 18. We're just going to let the Word of God preach itself for a second, all right? It says this, it says, You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. And we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are, never, we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. But we continue, yes, or yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God and so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and be present and, and, and present us to Himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see 
will last forever. Do you remember in week one, we talked about fixing our eyes on Jesus, on the things of heaven, that as living as citizens of heaven means we have an eternal perspective on every aspect of our life. There is only one way that we are allowed, that we are able to bring purpose down into our pain. And that is if the glory that is to last forever is a reality to us. The only way that we can go to God and go, God, what are you doing through me in this pain? As opposed to saying, God, take me out of this pain, is to understand that it has a way of shaping the kingdom in us. And if that is a priority in our lives, we are able, not nicely, but we are able to say, God, let your glory be seen. And I want to live in this so that others might see you in me through this. And when we do that, when we marry up, when we try to compare the current trials and suffering as great as they may be, they are in actual fact small in comparison to eternal glory. But unless we live as citizens of heaven, the idea, the framework, the, the, the comparative nature of eternal glory is, it is not there. It is only when we live as citizens of heaven. It's only as we fix our eyes on Jesus. It's only as we understand that we are in this world but not of it, that we have an eternal destination, that the realities of heaven are absolutely real for those of us who have believed in Christ Jesus. It is only then that the glory that is spoken about in that context becomes any value to us in this life. Oh, I've got a lot more in my notes, but I want to I wanna land this plane. I want to tell you that the light is only powerful in, in darkness. The darker the valley, actually, the more easily light is seen and, and the more useful it is in that place. I want to remind you of, of the chemistry test in high school where you had a piece of metal and and you put it in, in the flame and change colour to find out what metal was actually made up of. I want to remind you that, that God uses pain as a crucible for your character. That it's in the difficulty that we're able to see for ourselves what is in us. For real. Romans 5, which talks about endurance and patience and character that is formed by A kingdom purpose enables us to look at pain and suffering and give it a purpose. Some of the greatest achievements for the kingdom of God have been achieved through people in pain, but still on purpose. We are heading headlong into Good Friday and you cannot, you cannot remove pain and suffering from purpose when you look at the cross of Christ Jesus. You cannot say that the kingdom of God cannot achieve great things in seasons of pain when you look at the cross of Christ. But I want to I land today by going full circle. I want to I come back around because this is our last week talking about a King's Commission. We're heading into Easter and Easter is going to be awesome and you should invite someone 
to hear about the Gospel, the good news, that Jesus is real and He loves them. But before we wrap this up, I want to come back to Philippians because Paul writes something very, very important to that church as he is unpacking this. Philippians 1.26, right where he talks about, you know, we have a privilege of suffering for him. He makes this statement and it's a powerful statement and it's it's a statement that as the church, we have got to understand because we have been a church that has not been able to be together for for 12 months. And I mean fully together. I don't mean half people in the house. I mean everybody in the house together. We we have been restricted in that. And and the problem with that is that it means that those of us that have have potentially been going through pain and suffering have not been able to do it with other people. And Paul makes it very clear that if we are to go and see pain ever as a privilege, he says this, he says, we are in this struggle together. We are in this together. No one in our community should suffer alone. Suffering shouldn't be a surprise. We need need to have it as an expectation. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be trial in, in our lives. But nobody should be walking that season alone. In the community of believers, we support, we care, we carry. We are there for each other. We are there for each other. We, we show up so that we're there for each other. We, we, when we have an opportunity to gather together, we are there, maybe not necessarily because we think we need it, but because we recognise there will be someone in our community that does need it, that needs you, that needs your friendship, your encouragement, the meal that you can make for them. This is the essence of community, not that we don't expect suffering and not that we try to cultivate a community where there is no pain ever experienced, but that we are ready to stand and do that together. this morning by praying for people and I know that there's not many people right here in in our little room this morning but I know there's a lot of you watching and I know there's a lot of you that are going through genuine pain, suffering difficulty in all facets of your life and if we can't be together today, the least that we can do is pray for each other. The least we can do is lift each other up to God. Believing and supporting and encouraging. I'm believing right now God is putting people on on your mind to text, 
to send a text to, maybe to give a call to, to call them up and go, I just wanted to see how you were going. There's going to be some people and God's just going to say, make this person a meal and go and see them sometime this week to see how they're going. I'm telling you, if we are to do this together, it is it is all of us together. It is not on a small group of people to do this for everybody. Our, our pastors love and care people unbelievably, but we are all in this together. We are all called by God to this community. We are all called to function as the community in the community. So I want to I pray this morning. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you if right now you are in pain, persecution or suffering. So maybe if you're at home right now and that's you, I just put, put your hands out. I have such an expectation that God is going to touch your heart, touch your life right now. If you're here in this room, yeah, stand to your feet, do something so that I can pray for you. But I want to pray for three things, three things this morning. I want to pray that you would know and experience the love of God, that any doubt that you have that God loves you because there is pain present would disappear in the knowledge that God loves you. Second, I want to I pray that, that you would get a revelation of purpose. As much as that may not alleviate any of the pain that you're feeling, it will help you move forward. It will help you see that in the kingdom of God, you are doing incredible things as it is formed in you and as people see it in you. I want to pray for deliverance and I want to pray for healing because I believe God heals absolutely and I want to pray that there would be miraculous healings this morning the people who have had pain in their bodies for years would have a release the, the name of Jesus sickness would be defeated in people's lives so let's pray together church I mean the whole church people watching on, you are our church. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, we thank you for your kingdom. We thank you, Father, for the name of Jesus. We thank you for its power and its authority here on earth. God, we pray that your kingdom and the realities of your kingdom, where there is no more tears, where every tear is wiped away, where there is no more sickness and no more pain. God, we pray for those realities to come now in the name of Jesus into people's lives. We pray right now for sickness to go in Jesus' name, for pain to leave people's bodies in Jesus' name name. Father, I pray right now for an incredible, tangible sense of Your presence to flow over people as people are responding right now to, to this prayer. I pray that they would know without a shadow of a doubt that You are there with them, that You love them, Father, that You have not left them, but You are with them right now in the midst of whatever it is they're walking through. You are there. Your strength is with them. Your grace is with them. Your Spirit is with them. The fruit of your Spirit is being formed in them and it is being seen through them. Goodness and kindness and faithfulness is being seen by the world around them. I thank you, God, that Jesus Himself is being seen as real in people's lives because of how they are walking in this season.
So God, pour out your blessing, your strength, your grace in Jesus' name. Let your spirit remind us that nothing can separate us from your love, that nothing has removed us from your kingdom or its purpose in our lives. In Jesus' name.